Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, my dear fellow redeemed. How can we help those who can't even seem to help themselves if we're assisting someone who's struggling with addiction, we might ask that question. We want them to understand what's happening in their life, how their work life is suffering, personal relationships are stretched. Sometimes it feels like the addiction is completely taking over their life. How do we help that person? Maybe we gather together with other folks who love that person and throw an intervention for them. We try and show the person they need to change. Letters may be read. Speeches may be given. All of this in an effort with many tears to show the person that they need to change. That they need to turn their life around. Many of us have had personal experiences with addiction And we know just how powerful its grasp can be. In our first lesson for this evening, God sent the prophet Isaiah to a people who were struggling with something powerful and addictive. God surveyed the people of Israel and he saw pain and great distress. He he had given them a book of guidelines for how they were to live. And yet they disregarded what he had said. God knew that they were in pain and he wanted to assist them, but they had turned their back on him. Instead, they had sought their own solutions to the problem. They sought the quick pleasures of life, idol worship, trying to act like the nations around them. They were really rejecting the truth. Who is going to intervene for this people who is on the path to destruction? I think if we take an honest look at the world around us, we also see a world that is in agony. There's pain all around us. Find me the person who says that their life is perfect, and I'll find you a liar. It seems like no matter how sweet the pleasures are in life, all the hardship is even greater than that. Sometimes the frustrating part is that we do it to ourselves. We can trace that one moment in our life that has brought us to the pain that we're in today. How do we remedy these problems? How do we solve all of the troubles of life? I think it's natural to want to flee from the harsh realities of our lives. It's not just the person who you see on the side of the street after the most recent heroin binge that's trying to escape from something. We all have our own subtle ways of trying to handle the pain and stress of this life. And sure, some coping mechanisms are much less personally destructive than others, but they're all still just that, coping mechanisms. Whether it's using hardcore drugs, technology addiction, or mindfulness, these are still things that are just treating the symptoms. They're not treating the heart of the problem. We hear in Isaiah about this struggle. For our offenses are many in your sight, and our sins testify against us. Our offenses are ever with us, and we acknowledge our iniquities. We can think back to the past failures of life and try as hard as we can to forget them, but 
those memories still stay with us and they certainly still stay with the people who we've harmed. So here we are. Damaged goods trying to help other damaged goods. How are we supposed to intervene from so- for someone else when we can't even intervene for ourselves? Who will intervene for us? God sees us. God sees you. God sees you crying in the shower. God sees you trying to numb the pain through drinking. God sees you shopping to try and feel something. God surveys the world. He sees the pain. And he knows that there is nothing we can do to rescue ourselves. He saw that there was no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intervene. But God doesn't just see. God sees and then he leaps to action. Jesus wouldn't, did not want this world to, he did not want righteousness to stand at a distance. Instead, he brought righteousness to us. Jesus, he came down to make us right with God. He lived a life that was completely honest and truthful. And he knew that he would be treated as prey. He would be attacked and persecuted for it. Jesus, he didn't turn his back on us. Instead, he turned his back to be whipped and flogged and nailed to a cross. This was how God intervened for us. Through that honest life of Jesus and unjust death, he has made us righteous, right with God. That righteousness has been one for all people. Now when God looks at us, when God sees, he sees us washed in the waters of baptism. He sees the unity that we enjoy with him in the Lord's Supper. He sees that we have been purchased from our sins and we see the receipt the empty tomb. Who will intervene for us? Who has intervened? It's our Redeemer, Jesus, who came to make us righteous. Kylie, not a Kylie that you know, but Kylie, she struggled for quite some time with addiction. It was one thing after another. It was drugs, and then it was alcohol, and then it was opiates, and then it was back to hardcore drugs. No matter what she did, she couldn't seem to shake her addiction. She would try for a while, and then more pain, more sadness would come, and she'd be thrown right back into her addiction. It wasn't until Kylie met a sponsor, someone who she could be open with, someone that she could share her pain with, it was once she met that sponsor that she finally started fighting back against her addiction, she, reflect, she reflected on this time in her life and said when she met her sponsor, that was when the mental obsession was removed. I could literally feel it. That was when I finally started to feel free. We have found our sponsor, or more accurately, he has found us. God came to free us from our sins, to remove the shackles that entangled us. And that freedom, it changes everything. But of course, even with that freedom, we still experience a daily battle against our own sinful desires. We still have to claw and fight every day against the evil that surrounds us because the temptation to seek the short-term solution to make us feel better, 
It's enticing. Jesus, in our gospel lesson, he spoke about that struggle. In Matthew 6, verse 1, he had said, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. Receiving praise from others certainly makes us feel better in the short term. But that's nothing compared with the joy that we, that we receive when we get our reward from your Father in heaven. Or in verse 5, Jesus encourages us not to pray to be seen by men whose glory passes away. Instead, we pray to be seen by our Father, which is better by far. And in verse 19, Jesus told us, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. Seeing a big number in our bank account with lots of zeros afterwards makes us feel secure. But that security can come and go. Moths may come, thieves may break in and steal, a stock market may crash. Instead, we put our hope and our trust in something that will last. We trust in our treasure in heaven that's been won for us by our Redeemer. Now, of course, there are times when we will struggle in this battle, when we will give in to temptation. The answer for those moments is repentance. Turning from our evil and turning back to God We recognize that we can't win this battle on our own. We need someone to come and rescue us. Isaiah portrays the coming Messiah as a warrior dressed in military garb. This is Jesus. Jesus who puts on righteousness as his breastplate. The helmet of salvation on his head. Nothing is able to penetrate this breastplate of righteousness. The grace that God shows to his people No sword of Satan nor arrow of evil can penetrate the love that Christ has for each and every one of us. And when the battlefield gets hectic and chaotic, we look to the one whose helmet of salvation shines no matter where we are. We trust in Jesus, the one who wore garments of vengeance and of zeal, who has defeated the evil around us. The victory is already won. We place our trust in the Redeemer who came to Zion, To those in Jacob who repent of their sins, we trust in Jesus who set us free. On March 11th, 2005, a young man named Kevin Berthea went to the Golden Gate Bridge. He perched himself on a ledge outside of the bridge. He no longer viewed life as worth living. He was going to jump off the bridge that day and take his own life. But before he could succeed in his plan, he heard a voice calling to him from the bridge. An officer was approaching a man named Kevin Briggs. Briggs was intervening to save Berthea from his imminent death. Berthea did eventually jump off that ledge back up onto the bridge where he was once again safe and sound. This time with a new appreciation for life. Sometime later, he reflected on his interaction with Officer Briggs. He said, I didn't want him to try and stop me, but now I'm glad that he did. All I can say is that I am truly grateful. He gave me an opportunity to live. Berthea has gone on to live a fruitful and fulfilling life. Things would have been different that day if Officer Briggs would not have intervened to save Berthea from taking his own life. Things would be different for us as well if Jesus had not intervened for us. That certainly would have been the easier choice, but Jesus did intervene. 
He did not want us to live in a state of hopelessness with only simple pleasures that only dulled the pain. Instead, he came to rescue us. Now we turn, we repent of our sins knowing that they have been forgiven. The Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins, declares the Lord. Amen. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Please stand as we join together to confess our faith according to the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. At this time, we, now gather, we are now gathering our offering, our gifts of praise to the Lord. We're also passing out our friendship registers. Please, please fill out these registers so that we can continue to do what we've been called to do here at Abiding Grace. Encourage one another on towards love and good deeds.